candy girl. <laughs> and you got me. <laughs> Sugar. Aw, oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. <laughs> and you got me rocking you. I'm Lena. I'm Grant. And this is Sex Archie. <laughs> and I'm going to do all of the talking today. Because I am struggling. I'm very sorry that you have to listen to an hour of this. Oh, darling, we haven't had only an hour in a long time. feel like we might go kind of quick tonight. It suddenly got worse. It did. That's right. We are Riverdale Recap Podcast here to croak about Chapter 65 in Treatment by Tessa Leigh Williams and directed by Michael Goy. Goy? Yes. Goy, 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 goy. Goy like koi, but with a G. The what now? Uh, the, the vocal uh, word? Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. like people might have seen in the King's Speech. Yes. That's a real vocal warm-up that people yeah. do. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Obviously I'm sick, in case you couldn't tell. There's no amount of warm-ups you can do that will help. <laughs> so bad. Uh, well, we, we're getting all the previously on Riverdale, and they actually mentioned those fucking tapes. Yes, because that... We're going to talk about some Because we're going to talk about the tapes. The, the tapes are part of the opening narration, so we have to be reminded of the tapes. Yes. Uh, so, they have returned, quote, after a brief hiatus. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. And, and videos <laughs> were left across town, and everyone had to uh, pull out their VCRs and dust them off with dread. Sure, they got to dust off their VCRs, but this is the only town in America with no flat screens. Everybody's rocking CRT tube televisions. Yes. Because <laughs> there's no place to donate those that will take them. Yeah. Yeah. I know what'll take them. The dump. Okay. The videos are very similar. They're just hours of footage of the front of the house. But, but they're even closer. Closer. Which means, like, the camera should have been run over in the street as cars go by. Or, or like, seen... Or maybe the, the mysterious filmer has a zoom lens. I don't know if anybody considered that option. There is that as but well. But the implication was clear, except it wasn't, because nobody knows what's happening. So no one knows what's next. Will the video dude break in? Who knows? Da, da, da. There's a lot of other stuff we find out getting yes. sent out, and that is college and university acceptance and rejection letters. Yeah, all those uh, early admission people are getting their, their letters here just before the holiday break. Yeah, I guess every people only do early admissions. Well, if you want to really be on the ball, if you've got your first choice. Does everyone stress twice in a regular <laughs> high school? Are they like, oh no, it's early admission time, and then like it's regular time. I didn't do any early admission applications because I wanted to keep my options open. And with early admission, there's... You have uh, to, like, commit. Yeah. Like, if we say yes, you can't turn down our offer. Yeah. Yeah. I applied to one school, which is what no one else in the world does. No. I'm sure a lot of people had very strange looks your way and, and might have shared some strong words. When and I heard. was like, but I want to go there. <laughs> and I got accepted. So I went there. <laughs> I saved a lot of money. I don't think I got rejected from anywhere, but that's because I'm fucking awesome. <laughs> yes, you are. I think I only applied three places, two. I didn't even go, like, see any other schools. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But all of, all of this uh, kerfuffle and commotion... Leads to a lot of stressed out seniors. Yes. We get to find out that apparently there's been a fucking guidance counselor around all along. Where has she been? The principal has asked Miss Burble to do extended office hours. Where, where was she during the SAT episode? That's a big deal for them. Her normal office hours are like one hour a week. Do you have to be a senior to qualify for time with Miss Burble? That's why we haven't seen her before? Yes. Okay, this makes sense. Because the seniors are so stressed, so stressed, stressed out, out every year. Mm-hmm. She has her hands full. <laughs> Uh, Jughead's narration tells us that, you know, everyone's finally going to get some, uh, you know, counseling and therapy that most of them are long overdue for. Yeah, this is one of those self-aware episodes. This is one of those episodes that makes me think somebody in the writer's room is a listener. Yes. Yeah. They were like, yeah, we should address everyone's mental health. (laughs) Uh, So we go to Betty, who's coming home. And I guess she went out for a jog, and she's asking her mom if they mom wants some high point? What is that supposed to be? She's wondering if her mother is happy with her internet service provider. I'm like, what is that supposed to be like? A reference to? (laughs) What what product are we giving a weird name to? I I don't don't know. know. I'm going to say Charleston Chew. I don't know why, but I'm leaning Charleston Chew. So, uh, Alice... Goes off on Betty first about how, oh, you were so sweet when you were little. (laughs) When you weren't a little liar. Yeah. When did you become a liar is the most. I mean, last week I was wondering where season one Alice was. She came back. There it is. That's that's Alice Cooper, season one, in a single line, looking at her daughter and saying, when did you become a liar? Alice has opened Betty's mail Mm -hmm. to find out that Betty applied to Yale. And was not accepted, unfortunately. Betty is all like, oh, I didn't get in. You opened my mail? What the fuck, bitch? (laughs) Like, what? Alice goes off on her about how she's unfocused, and this is all on her, and she searched her room, and she found this, and this is the problem, and it was birth control, and you are out of control, and distracted, and you're having sex. As we all know, Yale University hates hormonal birth control. Yeah. It's disqualifying. Yeah. They're all about the copper IUD or nothing. Yeah. Yes. So Betty goes to Miss Burble, uh, and then Alice busts in before they even start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's all like, well, I didn't know you were going to be here. I'm here for advice because I don't know how to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Betty just goes off. About how this is her problem. Alice is her problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alice is all like, no, you were rejected from college because you were too busy having sex. They have the fight we've been waiting for for three seasons now. It's so good. It's, it's finally here. And and Miss Burble barely says a word for like five minutes of, like, of dialogue. Pages and pages of this script. Clear, Nothing. Clearly there's a lot going on. <laughs> So uh, they they sit and they decide to to both meet with her, uh, and it's all like, yo, I hide secret secrets from her, but it's because I learn from the best. Because mm-hmm. you know, Alice hid 
everything. Yeah. Cult, brother. This is also a pretty good episode if, you know, you want to get somebody into the show, but they don't want to <laughs> watch the first 64 chapters. Yeah, actually, yes, because it catches them up on There's everything. A lot of these scenes include a, a list of recent events. Yes. My favorite is when Alice tries to say that she just had, you know, Betty's best interest at heart. And mm-hmm. Betty's just like, yeah. Because joining a cult is in my best interest. <laughs> and then she goes off about, like, uh, the the evil nun hellhole mm-hmm. and how they force-fed her drugs, but at least it was fizzle rocks and not birth control. Because that's when you really get in trouble. Yeah, like, in this scene, it's our first time meeting Ms. Burble. Yes. Like, I don't know who this character is. I, I figure at this point she's just, like mentally checked out and, and like writing her resignation letter in her head. Cause this is not her job. <laughs> like I didn't even trust my guidance counselor with my report card. There is no <laughs> way I'm saying any of these things. I am sorry, Mr. Weeks, but no, I feel like she should be slightly concerned when like some of the stuff that's coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Betty also calls her mom out for being an idiot for thinking she's not having sex because <laughs> Jughead and her, you know, sleep in the same bed nightly. Well, not nightly. Only when he comes in on well, that train. <laughs> which probably is nightly at this point. Let's be honest. Well, yeah. I mean, his other choice for roommate is the guy he thinks wants to kill him. <laughs> I would definitely be getting, like, the monthly train pass. You know. Sex? Killed? (laughs) Hard choice! Alice keeps going on about how, you know, she just wants to protect her her child. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, she just wants to protect Betty. And, you know, I just, you should see the stuff she she writes in her diaries. Mrs. Burble is is taken aback by this and, like, you you read her diaries? (laughs) All the time. All the, also, you keep calling her a little baby child, infant baby, toddler yes. baby. I also like, uh, I was like, oh, how does this make you feel, buddy? Like, it makes me feel like I won Elizabeth away from exploding. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. She, she gets uh, Alice's tone perfect. Uh, it's she so good. She does. Uh, I mean, I guess she did play Alice one week. <laughs> It's it's so it, it all kind of ends with with pointing out the fact that that Alice just wants to keep her a child. She wants to control her, mm-hmm. and and that she she needs to start treating Betty like an adult, or Betty's going to not have any type of relationship with her. Yes, what, one of my favorite lines before we're done with this scene, before we we wrap up. I forget at what point in this arc, like the the whole segment is an argument. It's great. Uh, but Betty just says, forget about college, sex, or the serial killer genes. Yes. It's so, like, m- maybe they're not writing for us. Maybe they started writing for the Riverdale Out of Context <sighs> Twitter feed. I don't know. They're writing for me. <laughs> Everything in this scene was for me. Yeah. I mean, Betty speaks for us. I th- yes. Betty is yelling at our moms for us, dear. And yes. may- maybe that's why we like this segment so much. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> I don't well, want to get too real for the folks at home, but. It's real, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like, 
Alice goes off about how, like, you know, she's like, I'm just afraid you're going to leave. Everyone else has left me. They're gone. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's what kids do. They leave. <laughs> uh, and Alice goes into, but I love you. And Betty's like, but that's not an apology. And I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. No truer words in fucking life. I love you is not an apology. Let's all like write that on an inspirational poster, hang it up everywhere. But from there, the the reason that uh, this, she doesn't behave the same way with Polly is because she loves Betty the most. She admits. She admits she plays favorites with her children. And Betty is who she loves more and the most out of all of them. I mean, who wouldn't like Betty over Polly at this point, really? Like, I don't know. I know one guy, and he died in the pilot. Well, Polly made her a grandma. <laughs> so, like... You know, that goes a long way with, with the Alice Smiths of the world. That goes a long way with moms. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, if I, I made my mom a grandma, I'd be the best child in the world. Mm-hmm. Not gonna happen. I'll take being trash. It's fine. Hear that, brother-in-law? You've got an inside track. There's still hope for you. You can do it. So then we go to Archie. Archie is falling asleep in science class, and I was so upset. Because Archie is awoken by the science teacher who is named Mr. Phylum, and not Professor Flute Snoot. <laughs> I have been waiting for four seasons for Professor Flute Snoot to become a Riverdale character. If he was, we could finally do another uh, uh, page-to-screen segment. We haven't done one of those in forever. I don't know who the fuck Mr. Phylum is. Give me Flute Snoot. Well, you know what I would like to point out? What? Is that, spoilers, we see Kevin multiple times in this episode, (laughs) but he doesn't get any freaking therapy! That was my last note. I was saving that for the twist ending. The... the (laughs) The, the episode all about the awful things that happen to these kids. Even that forgets Kevin. Kevin doesn't get <laughs> to talk to the guidance counselor. Kevin gets to, to do his oral presentation. Kevin gets tries to, like, to save Archie's ass by waking him up in class. But he doesn't get to, He needs help. The his boy needs help. boyfriend died. Yes. His other boyfriend disappeared. Yes. This boy Needs love. The boy needs love. He can't put it on any musical without people dying. No. He can't even have a crush on the guy who works the the movie theater popcorn machine without that guy dying. Yes. Kevin needs to have a scene with the guidance counselor where he's pretty (laughs) sure anyone he falls in love with dies. Yeah. How many of the guys he picked up while cruising in the forest got killed by the Black Hood? At least one. At least one. So yes, Archie is brought in because uh, the guidance counselor has noticed he has not submitted any college applications. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. I don't have time for college. I'm busy putting on a mask and beating up kids as they steal cars. Seriously, this is actually where the scene goes. Yeah. Like we go from, oh, I just am not sleeping a lot to, oh, I'm trying to like have my father's legacy live on in Riverdale. And by that, I do mean emulating my favorite comic book superheroes. He mentions a few uh, uh, lesser-known Archie brand or MLJ brand heroes. Yeah. 
I appreciate because it means the bigger names are still in play. Like the Fox is still like fair game, I guess. I also love that she's like, Archie, those cuts and bruises on your hand, art from sports. Well, actually, he runs a boxing gym. There is one specific sport, the sport that he does professionally, in a sense, that could explain them. The cuts and bruises on the hand. (laughs) You can tell she's checked out because she also mentions how uh, Archie used to excel in football. So she (laughs) clearly has no idea what she's talking about. Yes. He, he he spills it all about Dodger mm-hmm. and, and how, you know... All under the, the guise of, like, this hypothetical, you know, in, inspiration, but, you know, because she does have a legal duty that she informs him of to report any admissions of crime. He he talks about how, you know, his, his mom almost got shot mm-hmm. and she was held at gunpoint and, like... Doing this thing puts all of his loved ones in the crosshairs. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? Air quotes. Theoretically. (laughs) Very smooth. Very smooth air quotes. But this is after she voices her theory, which is one of our long running theories. Yes. That that Archie's heroism is just motivated by his rage. Yes. By his grief rage that, that is powering everything he does. Yes. Whether it's... Uh, uh, nighttime vigilantism or throwing a Halloween party at the last minute for teens. Yeah. It's all out of grief rage. So her um, suggestion is to get more volunteers. She volunteers herself. Like, yeah, I'll be the first. Uh, and also to set up a tip line. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so people could tell them about stuff going on and to stop going out at night. Yes. Don't go out at night. So Archie decides to go to his mom. Mm-hmm. And is all like, can we talk? And she's like, oh no, what's wrong? <laughs> oh my god, can't take anything else, Archie. She has really, you know, acclimated to the rhythms of life in Riverdale. <laughs> yes. And Archie has decided to move out to protect Mary. Yes, he will cause... be living in the El Royale because, you know, the, the crime clan is after him. That They're very focused and so as long as there's, like, spatial distance between them, she will be safe. Uh, so he, he does, he moves in, he, he prints flyers for his tip line. Mm-hmm. And, and then he sets it up with, like, an old-fashioned, a very old-fashioned, an antique answering machine. There are no digital appliances in a ten-mile radius. No. And he throws his mask in the trash. Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, so then... Cheryl gets called to the principal's office. Yeah, basically, every act of this show, like the, the cliffhanger at the end is the inciting incident that brings the next teen into the office, yes. right? So uh, Cheryl has 26 absences racked up for the year. Quite frankly, I think that's rather low. Yeah. The, the, the school year that's, what, three months in? Yeah. <laughs> And she's all like, well, you know, my family has suffered multiple deaths and missing family members, and I am the sole carer for twins and my nana. But uh, the, the principal, Principal Honey, is talking to her about her absences and brings up the fact that she may be psychologically unfit to cheerlead. 
Yeah. Which is apparently a thing. You have to be of, of strong body and sound mind to, to be chief leader. So he's going to have Ms. Burble screen her to yes. see if she is still fit to lead yes. the cheers. <laughs> and then, so she goes to see Ms. Burble, and Ms. Burble offers her a candy dish that has three mutineers bars. <laughs> and I would like to say, so every time a, ch- a student comes into her office, she offers them candy. And I wish I would have paid attention for Betty and Archie's scene yes, because to know what it was. Three Mutineers is so good. It's so good. Yes. And like, Cheryl does not eat nougat. I think that's where the timeline split between Riverdale and the real world. It, it's when Alexandre Dumas wrote his famous novel about people overthrowing a sea captain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 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 that that is how we we wound up through the butterfly effect to the Riverdale we know and love. Miss Burble mm-hmm. was all like, "Did you receive a videotape?" <laughs> Which is a very strange way to start. Yeah. Also, what's that have to do with her twenty six absences? Uh, and she's all like, "You know, how do you feel about that?" Mm-hmm. Also, you know, have you spoken to a professional about all these things that's happened in your life, including your near death experience? That was an accident. Cheryl is very quick to jump on her suicide attempt as not being a suicide attempt. And Ms. Burble is like, it's okay if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. She's actually a kind of good guidance counselor in some yes, ways. Yes, yes. By, by this point, like, okay, you, you, you're... You're I, not evil. I don't think you're a front for, for, like, Professor DuPont or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I think, yeah. like, this is legit. You're, you're good. Can you, like, guidance Mr. Honey? I think we should be concerned there. <laughs> After the the conclusion of season two, all of New York State's uh, uh, psychologists descended on town to try to find the case study that, that will make a name for themselves. Yeah. <laughs> She's the last one standing. Uh, so Miss Burble's all like, you know, you're very resilient. How do you cope with everything? And Cheryl's like, I talked to Jason... My dead brother. Oh, like through prayer. No. no. In the chapel, I talked to his body. Cheryl, was her list of things that are fucked up about you not long enough? Like, that was basically one commercial to the next. <laughs> uh, and then she goes on to say, and I think he answers me back. Mm-hmm. And that she thinks she lost her mind, but she doesn't know when. Was it when he died? Was it when she fell through the ice? Has she always been crazy? No one knows. Uh, and Ms. Burble's all like, no, it's not that different than what people do when they talk to, like, their family members in the cemetery. And I'm like, yes, it is very different. <laughs> she has a rotting corpse. It's a bit less smelly in the cemetery, I have to say. It's not so creepy and probably illegal. <laughs> and she's all like, you know, he doesn't actually talk back. You mm-hmm. just want him to talk back. And she's like, well, that's not the only thing. I'm also haunted by a ghost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like that uh, Ms. Burgle is so, like, understanding, obviously. Like, she's just rolling with all of this. Like, it's fine. You know, whatever you got to do to cope I mean, there might be better strategies, but I'm proud of you for finding one in, in you know, the meantime, while, when you needed it, sort of thing. But but she's also the most, like, rational voice of reason yeah. and authority we've had for 65 chapters. Yeah. 
Because she dismisses out of hand the idea that Cheryl is haunted and instead suggests she's being gaslit. Yes. And it makes more sense, especially after she's like, well, I had a triplet and it's a doll and it keeps coming back and it's driving me insane. <laughs> like, no, no, no. I, I think you're being gaslit. Are, are you familiar with the term? And Cheryl says, oh, you mean like Ingmar Bergman? Because one... Yes, Cheryl is absolutely all about Igmar Bergman. Two, you use the word yourself to describe what you were doing to your girlfriend three weeks ago. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> uh, so then she brings up that there's, you know, a test that will help her. There's apparently a test so you can see if you actually absorbed your twin in the womb. Yeah. Uh, yes, but she doesn't describe it completely correctly. Okay. Anyone who would have chimerism from any of its very sort, any of its various sources, one of them would include uh, a fraternal fetuses fusing in in the womb. Mm-hmm. Would still have two separate DNA, you know, strands. Uh-huh. The problem is, depending on how that all worked out in utero, you don't know where the DNA is until you find it. That's what I was wondering. Like, do you yeah. have to go to the spot of the body, like that absorbed? Potentially, yeah. So, like, if it was in the stomach, you'd have to go to kind so, of that region. So she describes it as a simple cheek swab and, like, yeah, maybe. If you actually ate your twin. But, like, <laughs> you could have chimerism and a cheek swab wouldn't find it because all your cheek stuff is one DNA sequence and the other one that comprises your body might be in a different organ. Oh. Like, this is something that's come up with, like, per, uh, paternity testing. Yeah. Someone's cheek uh, DNA is not the same as their sperm DNA, and it's thrown paternity testing all out of kilter, which is a big problem for that specific family. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, ex- that explains a lot of, you know, Maury. <laughs> 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 what? Yes. Yes, it does. So uh, it just so happens that Miss Burble uh, knows someone who can do this for her and writes her a prescription or a referral. Something. I don't know. It's going to cost Cheryl $800, whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, the thing is, though, is Miss Burble is not going to recommend to the principal that she be in charge of the vixens because she needs to focus on herself. Also, she's missed 26 practices. <laughs> I don't think she's allowed to participate in extracurriculars if she's had that many absences. <laughs> I mean, she she does say that, like, as as a counselor, you're good to go. But as an administrator, no, 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 no. Uh, so Cheryl goes to the locker room. Mm-hmm. And, and she, she takes out her H-B-I-C-T. Yeah. And, and screams weeping into it after a pair of nameless vixens walk by behind her and are clearly gossiping behind her back. Like, literally, directly behind her back. Yes. Darling, you sound exhausted. Tag. 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 <laughs> Tag. <laughs> you sound like the Crypt Keeper looks. <laughs> Quite frankly, my head feels like how the Crypt Creeper looks. <laughs> so uh, now it's Veronica's turn as we work our way through the cast. And uh, uh, she is at home at the Pembroke watching her father f- put on the finishing touches of his rum shrine. Yes. 
He's built himself a, a glass bottom lit case immediately below the uh, Hermosa picture. Yeah. Uh, to to hold his original bottle, the the very first bottle of uh, uh, Lodge Rum, and he calls Veronica in to make sure that it's centered. Well, her her aesthetic taste is impeccable, <laughs> so she excuses herself to go to school because I guess this is some early morning home improvement DIY business. They all get an early start in Riverdale. I guess so, uh, and. In the middle of uh, microeconomics, where Kevin is beginning uh, his presentation by saying, uh, strap in, folks, it's time for some game theory, uh, her cell phone rings. She excuses herself, walks out. It's a name actually in her phone, which means that she added, like, the Harvard University admissions guide to her contacts list. No, she added the dean. The dean, yes, the dean Dean of Harvard is in her contacts, which is fucking wild. (laughs) So, obviously, she picks up the phone and, and hears personally, not through a letter, that she's been accepted, uh to Harvard in early admissions, and she is overjoyed. She's over the moon. For the class. For the class of fuck this bullshit. (laughs) The class of 2024. That means... It is 2019 That means we've finally confirmed the actual year that season four so far and a good deal of season three were set in the year 2019 because that means they will graduate in 2020 and then be in the college class of 2024. Fuck that. That is bullshit. <laughs> it is 2024 right now at the earliest. You were so excited because you got it wrong and you thought it was, they I, were saying it was 2024. No. But No. no. Although, because the show runs uh, uh, in, in a compressed time frame compared to air dates, that does mean, at the very least, the pilot was set in the future from when it aired. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's something. The dean is all like, great, now give your regards to my father and thank him for the rum. To, to your father. Your father, yes. <laughs> I am I know I'm the dean and I'm very important, but I would like you to speak to my father <laughs> and tell him that he should be proud of me, the dean of Harvard University. I have daddy issues. <laughs> so, yes, at, at this, uh, she is immediately crestfallen. This, this is yet another backroom daddy deal and, and not something she, she managed on her own two feet. So uh, when it is her turn to go to the guidance counselor to, like, do some paperwork, you, you got to do your college admissions stuff. She's like, huh? How did you got any announcements? Huh? Oh, wait, Veronica, you're fucking pissed off. Let's talk about this. She also offers uh, Veronica a butter flinger, <laughs> a butter flinger bar. <laughs> yes. Don't lay a flinger on my <laughs> butter flinger. <laughs> no one has any idea what Bart Sampson means when he says that. <laughs> it was butter flinger. It was I, butter flinger. I wrote butter finger. <laughs> Neither one's good. So what wound up in her her anti-papa hysteria, uh, Veronica just lays out all of her frustrations 
with, with her dad as a control freak and and as someone who's trying to to force her into his mold and and live vicariously even though he did so much he he wants two lives at once mm-hmm. and only Veronica Lodge could could drop into a flawless French pronunciation and quote King Lear several times <laughs> yeah in the middle of an off the dome frustration rant yes Slay. Slay Queen Slay. Yes. Or Princess Cordelia, whatever, if we're running with the theme. (laughs) And uh, Miss Blurble. Wait, what's her name? Firefly Lady. Firefly Lady. Blurble. Right? (laughs) Ingrid Bergman. Burble. Burble. Miss Burble is all like, girl, why are you still living at home? Why do you still talk to him? <laughs> Fucking leave. Just so... Stop being obsessed with each other. She's just too damn sensible. That's why she hasn't been in the show to this point. <laughs> but yeah, she she diagnoses them with like a case of mutual obsession. Yes. And, and starts using a lot of Greek tragedy terms. And Veronica's all like, oh... I always thought my life was Shakespearean. Yeah, we know. You did the Lear thing like two minutes ago. And so she's all like, you got to cut ties with your dad. Mm-hmm. Just just cut ties, go. Cut ties with all the lies that you've been living in. And if you, if you don't, don't want to see, see me, me again, again, I would understand. Because I'm really overstepping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really overstepping my professional bounds as a school guidance counselor. I would understand. <laughs> Darling, I don't think you should do that when your voice is working properly. <laughs> you see me sing bad? I'm saying that the angry boy has to explain. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think she's empowered with her position to say any of the things she's saying about how, you know... Uh, have you ever heard of an Oedipus and Electric Complex at the same time? I'm saying you want to fuck both your parents. <laughs> and frankly, who doesn't? Nah. <laughs> uh, she also starts to use the teen speak. Mm-hmm. And is all like, your dad's trolling you. You should ghost him. Don't, don't do it, Miss Burble. This is more evidence for this taking place in 2025, because that is when people like Miss Burble would say ghosting. Yes. 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 We're past the point where they say trolling, honestly. It's it's time is limbo in, yeah. in Riverdale. It's fungible. Yeah. So uh we go to visit Jughead mm-hmm. at um Stonewall. Yes, and uh Professor DuPont has been replaced by a living thesaurus. Yes. He literally says vis-a-vis in this scene like an asshole. Yeah. But yeah, Jughead has uh, submitted no college applications to this point, and DuPont, being the belittling prick that he is, is talking about, like, there's no way anyone here is going to write a letter of recommendation for such a lackadaisical student. Why don't you go back to the gutter with all the public school kids where you belong, you Nancy boy? But, you know, with $10 words. Yep, he just kept hitting suggest a word. Yes. Suggest a word. That's the one. Jughead! Goes back to Riverdale High, and he's waiting to get a transcript, and Miss Burble's all like, let's talk. And he's like, no, I'm just going to take a lot of candy from this candy dish. He One double piece at a time. fists. He's like, I'm going to take three, and I'm going to take another. And he's just like stuffing it in his pockets, mm-hmm. like five times in this scene. 
Ms. Burble's opening line, though, to try to break through is like, hey, you talk, you do a lot of pop culture references, don't you, kid? It's like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, then she's all like, oh, yeah, I heard about Mr. Chippings. Mm-hmm. It's suicide. That's so sad. He's like, no, he was murdered. Let me tell you my murder theory. In the in this whole scene, something I, I appreciated is that uh, Jughead is shot handheld with a slight shake, yeah. while uh, all of Miss Burble's shots she she's on a steady tripod. Yeah, yes, because she's collected and he's fucking Jughead. He's freaking losing his mind. He's been eating too much candy. It's... He is on a freaking sugar high. Mm-hmm. He like... still hasn't come down from Thanksgiving dinner, frankly. <laughs> And so he he goes off about how Chip, how Chippiness was murdered and how he has to bring down their empire of you know the books uh, and uh, these people are thieves and mm-hmm. he's just going off and off and off and she's like you seem to have a persecution complex. So yeah, she she sums him up top to down real quick uh, about how he is. Uh, dealing with the, this pressure by uh, living up to their expectations and just just being the bum they expect him to be out of defiance. And then when he washes out, he can blame them for not giving him a chance. Yep. It's the, the uh, gifted kid plus class conflict uh, uh, cocktail that is so common and powerful. Where was my Miss Burble? <laughs> God damn it. Uh, and she's all like, you know, you're, you're paranoid and you're trying to avoid your writing because you're insecure about it. And he's all you know, my grandfather, this, and like, maybe you should stop worshiping your grandfather. Maybe you should like pay attention to your dad. Yeah. Your dad is a nice middle-class respectable guy. Who apparently she doesn't know the history of, but I'm, I'm the FP fan club here. Hey, she. But he turned his life around. She doesn't know the very recent history of where he's sitting in the living room, like, yeah, I should also be a criminal gang leader again. (laughs) Uh, But she does say, you know, instead of trying to make the person who caused your father pain into a wronged hero, maybe you should see him through your father's eyes. Mm -hmm. Jughead just, like, that hits him. Mm hmm feels terrible yeah I, I feel like Jughead has one of the more like in the moment successful sessions because like as far as the teen characters go he is also the sensible one yes and there's sort of like a game recognized game thing going on here uh, he, he's all like I'm selfish and she's like no you're just a high school senior from Riverdale <laughs> you're busy and anyway, an- another thing she doesn't realize about F.P. Jones is that his whole turnaround is due to his Jekyll and Hyde relationship with prison bars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Head points out the fact that uh, as a school counselor, she is definitely underpaid. And underappreciated. And that that's a problem. So yes, <laughs> yes, Chuck Head, she is. And she suggests that he does the work. Not just his homework, but that he really investigate those fuckers. Yeah, if, if and that's going to them down, if that's going to be what you do, you should actually do it and not just play truth or dare and hope they screw up real bad. Yep. So Jughead decides to grab another fistful of candy, and she's yes. like, "Oh my god, just take the whole fucking bowl, just take it, <laughs> all of it." 
All so right. he does. Got, got to get the Blu-ray and go frame by frame to read the label on Jughead's candy. You need to know what's in there. <laughs> what what they call, what were those supposed to be, like York patties? Yeah. Maybe. So uh, Jughead's at home when FP comes home. Mm-hmm. And FP's all like, oh, I've missed, you know, coming home and seeing you And Jughead, like, closes his laptop and he goes up and gives his pops a big old hug. And he's just like, I love you and appreciate what you've done. It is so sweet. And they hug more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what he's done was buy a whole lot of heroin from the Canadian border to get the serpents up off the ground. You don't know he didn't. We don't know You don't he know didn't. he didn't. So Betty uh, comes home later and Alice is cooking. And she is just being the, the picture perfect housewife. Boys are in the back. Betty, could you set the table, please? Where's Jelly Bean? She doesn't say please. Yeah, she she's being a really good suburban mom for her boyfriend's daughter being missing for a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as Betty is setting the table, very displeased about her mother's chipperness. Betty is is certainly thinking like, oh, you're just going to ignore everything that happened, go on like like nothing was said. Well, can't expect anything else. But then she sees that the mail came. Yeah, there is a check a under there. Big old check in her name, right underneath a real fat envelope from a college. Yeah, and she's like, I love you the most, too, mom. Aww. Uh, and then we go check in on Archie. Archie is listening to the first message left on the hotline. There is a kid who says that he lives in the apartment complex on the north end of Sketch Alley. Hold up, what the fuck? Sketch Alley has residential zoning? Yes. What is this town? <laughs> but he is reporting that he thinks that the neighbor is beating his mom? I'm like, how do you not know? Does your mom go, is your mom dating the neighbor? Is she at the neighbor's place a lot? I have a lot of questions about this relationship. In any case, Archie is like, looks like a job for boxing coach man. And uh, packs up, grabs his, uh, after a long pause of thinking it over, grabs the, the mask out of the trash bin and stuffs it in his pocket. And grabs a bat. And a bat, yes. Uh, over at Pops. Uh, Cheryl is meeting Tony there, and she's all like, I got the results. Tony has no idea what the fuck she's talking about. They have not <laughs> spoken about this. Cheryl does not explain as things go on. Cheryl is, uh, Tony is merely picking up through context clues what's happening. Uh, and the test reveals that it's negative. She's negative for chimerism. Which we know there could be some fault in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so she's like, I'm 100% Cheryl. Hooray. Yeah. I'm not haunted. Once a Julian, ah, she's a little haunted. <laughs> she's like, once a Julian may have been in my mother's womb, but I didn't absorb him. Congratulations, babe. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and she fills her in that this must mean someone's messing with her. Mm -hmm. And she's gonna... They, they vow to get to the bottom of it together. While Tony is reading the Amityville horror, just cause, I guess. I don't know. That makes her a suspect in my book. Yeah. Back at the Pembroke, Veronica is sitting in Daddy's chair with her, her feet up, ankles crossed on the desk, yeah. drinking away at age 17. 
Well, Archie's 18 now. She might be 18 too. Uh, it depends on birthdays. But uh, she informs her daddy that she has rejected Harvard's offer, which again, early admission, I don't think you're allowed to do. You can't reject? Early admission. It comes with like a, a, a commitment. But like she didn't actually accept it. Her father did it for her. Uh, I guess there's some wiggle room there. Also, she's Veronica. She gets what she wants. It's sort of her deal. But uh, her, her dad is is incensed. He, he is distressed. He does not accept uh, this show of autonomy. No daughter of his will go to Yale, those filthy Yalers. What's wrong with Yale? I, I don't know. But she uh, says that she plans to kill him. On her school guidance counselor's advice, she will kill him. But not in real life. But not through murder, through business. She is going to start the second Riverdale Rummery. Yep. Population eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good luck. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's not the only place they can sell it. You know, they're rebuilding the manufacturing base in yeah. this town. It's better than a, the for-profit prison, frankly. And during this whole scene, she has been sipping on a glass. Yes. That, uh, I totally called it. Yes. It is the bottle of rum that he had put in In, his, like... In his rum shrine. Yes. Uh, And she's like, you know, this is better than your shit, but mine's (laughs) gonna be better. Yeah, apparently his first bottle, way better than than the, the current batches. Did but he actually make that? I thought that was, like, the first bottle he bought or something. No, that that was his first bottle. From back when he started the rum business with Hermosa. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why it means so much to him, and that's why he's so betrayed that she would just uncork that, swill it around, leave it open on the table. Yeah. That's that's what she'd do. So Betty is reading Jughead's uh, chapters. Mm -hmm. Because he got down to writing those. He also got caught up on college applications. That boy is very quick. Though he had also previously finished the first chapter... In time for Thanksgiving dinner, but whatever. Still, apparently, he did a bunch of college applications, yes, and that yes. takes a long fucking time. It takes so long that some people only do one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it took a long time. It did what now? <laughs> it took a long time. Why? Now it sounds like you have helium disease. <laughs> Maybe I do. I'm sorry for the people listening to this. But he hasn't just been writing and applying. He's also been doing, like, brass tax research. See, uh, uh, FP the First and DuPont were part of a writer's club, right? Yeah. So he decided to look up the other writers, and he found some beautiful things. But also that the other three have mysteriously died. All of them died in, in freak accidents. Yes. One of them was Theodore uh, Lysel. Yeah. Was Theodore Lysel. You know, like Dr. Seuss, Theodore Seuss Geisel. <laughs> you get it? The third one that died was Charles Chickens. <laughs> Motherfucking Charles Chickens. So I guess when I was saying earlier that in the yearbook, I could have sworn one of them was named Charles Dickens. <laughs> I was Charles, off by a letter. It was Charles Chickens. It was Charles Chickens. <laughs> How? How did Charles Chickens get through school without being bullied to death? How well, did the, he is dead. 
how did the chicken's family survive without going to the courthouse and be like, actually, our name is Jones. <laughs> our name is Jones now. What if that's actually F, uh, <laughs> FP the first? Yeah, Forsyth Pendleton Chickens. Because <laughs> he would have changed his name to Jones. <laughs> but anyway, the, the only survivors of this club are DuPont and possibly FP the first. He's reported dead by uh, uh, FP Jr., yeah. But I don't know how seriously that we're taking that these that days. That could just be dead to his soul. Right, right. And so Betty's just like, well, you got to drop out of school. <laughs> you got to leave. Yeah. He's all like, no, I got to get close. Mm-hmm. And uh, as uh, that scene ends, we go to a lineup picture. Of- yes, our, our final, perhaps, uh- flash forward is uh, uh, our... Quill and Skull uh, a pair from last episode identifying all three of uh, uh, our heroes, Archie, Betty, and Veronica, as the killers of Jughead. Why this is being done in a lineup, this is not how lineups work <laughs> at all. I don't know. Yeah, There are no other people in this lineup. <laughs> no. It'd be one thing if Kevin was there, like... Not that one. The other three teens. I saw them in the the woods killing Jughead. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This just goes to show that FP is not as good a cop as the school guidance counselor thinks he is. Yeah. But anyway, that was the episode. Dear, what did you think of In Treatment? This is one of my favorite episodes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We dealt with so many things. It was so focused. So many of the, the, like character motivations we've been talking about as subtext have been now presented as text. The only thing... Very gratifying. Very, you know... The only thing that would have improved this episode... Mm -hmm. Is if they got the year right. Is if Kevin got (laughs) one minute of therapy. Even just show Kevin going into the door and being welcomed. Yes! You don't have to show me what happens. Just, like, tell me he goes... Or, or, or have the, the guidance counselor be like, I need to clear my next three hours, Kevin. I'm so sorry. Come on in. Yes. This is going to take a bit. Make a joke out of it. We can have jokes. This show doesn't really do straight up jokes. This is what an episode that like took the time mm-hmm. to actually like cover things. I mean, they'll, I name, they'll name someone Charles Chickens, but they won't make a, a fucking joke. Charles fucking Chickens. Charles Chickens, cousin of Charles Entertainment Cheese. <laughs> anyway, while we come down from that, and, and I'm going to let you recover by doing our, our most recent segment that you have no input on. Good, because I'll just not talk. This time, when you're silent for this bit, it will seem intentional. <laughs> I just enjoy listening to your voice. That's right. It is time to check your sources. This week, I want to talk about Archie meets Batman 66. Yeah. This was a five or six, I I can't recall, issue miniseries, which was written by Michael Morecci and Jeff Parker with art by Dan Parent. Uh, Dan Parent is the current, like, go-to guy for for making classic-style, house-style Archie books. 
Uh, I mean, he's got a regular ongoing monthly, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the inventor of Kevin Keller. Yeah, he, he makes the Archie books that look like Dan DiCarlo and Dan DiCarlo Jr., right? Mm-hmm. That's the perfect version of Archie, vein of Archie, to do a crossover with the Adam West, Burt Ward, 1966 Batman show. Yeah. And this is, I mean, it's exactly that. If, if the title alone intrigues you, pick up this book. You will enjoy it. The, the basic plot outline is that uh, uh, all of the villains of Gotham are disappointed at, at being thwarted by Batman yet again. And so they realize that maybe if we start our plans for world domination in a city where Batman isn't, we, we can have something going on. So they eye Riverdale, USA. So you, you've got uh, all the, the fun crossover bits you might hope for, like Dick and Barbara enrolling at uh, uh, Riverdale High. Uh, Reggie becomes uh, a head henchman of our, our villainous cadre. All that sort of stuff. It, it's another excuse to get our Archie characters dressed up in, in their pure heart and super teen, etc. identities. One thing that I wish they, they went harder on is uh, more of the, the visual flair of the uh, Batman show because it's so distinct. Yeah. Like, I would have appreciated if the letterer put in superfluous labels on a lot of objects. <laughs> Something that really tickles me about the Batman show personally. Uh, maybe a few more Dutch angles in the villainous scenes because that's such a hallmark of the show. While I guess they could have leaned into things further, it definitely is Archie meets Batman 66. And what more could you ask for? Yeah. When it came out, there were a lot of uh, Archie books on the stands that seemed to be taking their cues for what counts as real Archie stuff from Riverdale. Yeah. And the, the way that bleeds into this book, Kevin's dad was sheriff of Riverdale rather than... Uh, uh, a military officer mm-hmm. stationed near Riverdale, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's not a big egregious thing, and it does streamline the plot because there's mind control, because there's always mind control, and and that's how, you know, they, they help take over the city. But I'm pointing this out to lay the groundwork for something I'm going to bring up in future segments of uh, Check Your Sources, where it seems like there is sort of a fight brewing or, or a struggle brewing over what is the definitive Archie and the gang story, mm-hmm. right? So for a period, you, you can see a clear influence of Riverdale sort of like becoming the the king continuity in little details like that. A big one is Cheryl in a lot of books became a Riverdale High student rather than a student of the uh, uh, private school on the other side of town. Yeah. Which I'd say is a bigger deal, but whatever, that's just me. <laughs> this is one of the older titles that I've talked about in this segment. It's, it's all collected, all finished. Check it out. It's pretty good stuff. Archie meets Batman 66. Yeah. Now, darling, I'm going to have to drag your vocal cords over some broken glass again as I ask if you have any predictions. There is still a triplet. We, we just had conclusive, apparently, uh-uh. allegedly evidence uh-uh. well, first off, you that, told there is, me that's not that there is no absorbed triplet. Yeah, so that means that 
the triplet wasn't absorbed. But but born and but out, born. out on the lamb. Yes. Or made up because uh-uh. there's a good chance uh-uh. that all of this is Nana Blossom making shit up and moving dolls when people aren't looking. Julian is the one that's doing all this to Cheryl. Okay. Julian exists. He's come back. You want to know who I think is doing all this to Cheryl? Nana Blossom. Night Nurse. Oh, he's all like, fuck you. Yes, this this is his vengeance plot for being so rudely treated. Because he and Nana are having an affair, and he's like, don't you kick me out. He and Nana might be having an affair. Yeah. I mean, he's a strapping young lad. She's a strap-on old lady. What if he's Julian? <laughs> what if he is? He's pretty young. He's pretty young looking. It is weird because all of the blossoms are so, like, willowy and, and wayfish. Yeah. While he is a giant brick of a man. He actually absor- absorbed their quint. <laughs> he absorbed about three fetuses. Yeah. He's a product of the super baby method. Yes. Julian exists, though. As I say that. Okay. I think Veronica's rum is going to be syrup-based, as we said earlier. Yes. But this means she will have to take Cheryl Blossom as a business partner. Yes. To get access to the Maple Grove. Yes, they go in business together. Yes. Yes. And Cheryl's all down with this because she wants to rub it in her family's face. And we finally have the kids participating in each other's stories. Jesus Christ, please. Yeah. I can't wait for Jughead to fucking die so the other three can be in a room together. But then they go tap a new tree. Mm-hmm. And it bleeds like the tree from Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. And the episode is named Sleepy Hollow, so you definitely get it. Yeah. Have they done? They might have done that one before. It's been so long. I don't know, but I'm just thinking that Tim Burton bloody tree. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they find out that that's where, like, a bunch of people were, were buried. Okay, Betty is going to find out if there's a way she can reapply to Yale so she can go to school with her best friend Veronica. Uh-huh. Veronica is going to try to pull some strings to, to get her in, and Betty is going to have to confront her with, You're becoming your father. Yeah. You just said that that's the last thing you want to do. Like, do we, do we have to talk to Firefly Lady again? Yeah. Where do we think Jughead applied to college? Did he also try to apply to the schools Betty did? ITT Tech. Jughead yeah. is going to study HVAC and VCR repair. Is ITT Tech the, like, online one? Nothing's online. This is Riverdale. <laughs> He's going to take a correspondence course. Yeah. I think Jughead would be an NYU kid. Uh, let's see. Maybe. Maybe Oberlin? Is Jughead an Oberlin kid? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I feel like he'd go my route and go to a school that doesn't have, like, sports. Lady Bird. She went to NYU, right? Jughead would go wherever Lady Bird went. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Archie applied to the School of Hard Knocks. Hard Knock Life. It, it explains his <laughs> bruised fists. <laughs> Archie is going to make the dark dude into a friendly mascot for the El Royale. Oh my god. He's going to make like celebrity well, guest appearances at the used car lot to help Reggie out. Well, hey, s- remember Reggie? He's in this show. We should talk about his like new mask. Yes. That's a totally different mask and it's much more um It's very like athleisure. Well, it, it, was- it looks like it wicks the moisture away. Well, I was going to say it's much more um Libre, libre, lucha libre. That, that. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Archie's a Libra. (laughs) 
A. I knew it was O. It was going to come out more like Cafe Con Leche. Archie is a Trace Leche's kick. Yes. <laughs> which, uh, by which I mean, he is a yummy, yummy snack, as we know. Yeah. No, it looks like one of those more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, didn't we before you had like a ski mask? He's going to need a lot more sequins for that to be a lucha mask, dear. I know. But like the <laughs> eye holes, the eye holes looked like it. Mm-hmm. These mysterious tapes are viral marketing for those ring doorbells. <laughs> the neighborhood's watching you. Don't you want to watch the neighborhood? <laughs> Give all of your information to the cops and Amazon. Yeah. So what if... Chick is Julian. What if Chick? You're desperate to meet Julian. You will not rest until you find well, this boy. Think about what if Charles and Julian are like out to get their families? Mm hmm. What? Well, you know? and remember how Chick partnered with Penelope? Chick does have the blossom cheekbones. Yes. I'll give you that. Yes. 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 So, like. Chick kind of looks like a blossom that smoked meth. A little, just a little meth. Just a little bit. <laughs> just enough. Like, what if? <laughs> uh, Kevin is going to go out and find a moose on his own. No one will notice <laughs> or talk about it. It's just it's just what's going to happen in the background. We'll, we'll learn about it from the writer's Twitter account. Can we get another episode where all the other characters go to therapy, but their yes. sessions are only like a minute? We we need another episode that's just uh, Kevin and Reggie and Tony. Yes. 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 Does Ethel still go here? I don't even know. Yeah, bring Ethel, because, like, Cheryl was in that old episode, but she's graduated by now. Well, So, yeah, br- bring in Ethel for, for that spot. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say Midge, but she died. Biggest mistake the show made, wasting Midge as a character. They could have killed anyone else. I loved Midge. They could have killed Moose. I'd, I'd been happier. Well, they haven't done anything with Moose. Exactly. Might as well have killed him. Midge had potential. Anyway, that's what we think might happen. Let's talk about what we know is going to happen in next week's episode, Chapter 66. Wow, that Devil Junior number. Tangerine. Tangerine. Tangerine is named for the 2015 film Tangerine, which is famous for being entirely shot on an iPhone 5. Yeah. It follows uh, two trans women sex workers just a a day in the life after one of them gets out of jail and meets up with her friend. Yeah. They have adventures, shall we say. (laughs) If you want like a full plot synopsis and everything all about it, I can recommend the episode uh, on it from Alka Hollywood. They they had a lot of fun with that movie. It's this person who directed it. Also did the Florida Project. Yes, this is uh, the Florida Project was his next film after Tangerine, which I love. The Florida Project. Everyone which should watch the Florida Project. Had about four minutes shot on iPhones, uh, but it's, yeah, it's so good. It's it's so good. Also, Orange World. Orange World is featured that, in the that Florida director Project. Has a thing about citrus. I. <laughs> But in the trailer, the trailer is unique and notable <laughs> because next week's trailer is essentially one continuous scene, but like 
cut up all choppy and flashy so it looks like a trailer. It's just one scene of the show of Alice drawing a large kitchen knife and slowly approaching Betty as Betty gets increasingly more nervous because, hey, wouldn't you, your mom's trying to stab you. The end. Tune in next week. That's what we know. As as a voice tells us, it's it's the uh, mid-season finale as, as they take their break until the next calendar year. It's the mid-season finale. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the voice. I don't know. The voice sounded like a human. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> this might be the worst it's ever been. <laughs> you need to go to bed. <laughs> I do. I don't even think I can walk the dog. Anyway, while we uh, uh, drain the Midwest of its entire supply of chamomile tea (laughs) and honey. I don't like honey in my tea. Well, that explains why you sound like this. (laughs) Uh, I got to tell you, to to help us out with a a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, it does a long way to, to getting us up in people's uh, uh, recommendations. That is, that must be how we were found by various writers which is why we get episodes like this so really uh it, you know you're listening it, it feeds the cycle that, that gives us fantastic episodes like this one uh you can also just tell a friend especially if one of your friends is tessa Lay williams i swear i swear they're listening <laughs> but word of mouth is is the the most effective way uh you know to make friends because otherwise you're just looking at people at a bus stop and that's not a friend no, no it, it doesn't count. Uh, but it's, it's also the best way to, to get people enthusiastic about things they, they enjoy. And I think the world needs more of that. Yeah. I personally have, have said a lot of words against like blind, uncritical, like fandom as a, a vector for consumerism. But this is different. This is community. I think we do turn a critical eye. This is something that is worth celebrating. Yeah. You can also help us celebrate and, and join that community by uh, checking us out on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Yeah. And I'm not going to let her say any uh, polysyllabic words because it seems like they hurt too much. <laughs> so with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant. And from us here at Sex Archie, three mutineers. Oh no, that was polysyllabic. Uh, sugar. Oh, honey, honey. You are my candy yeah. girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. You are my candy girl. And you got me rocking you. Break it down. Come on. And you got me. And you got me. And you got me. Break it down, won't you please?